for a season and at the end of the season I decided to stay and I got myself a job as a barman and I've been working in the pub game ever since now a manager of a pub I was only 17 when I came to Jersey and uh, the crack was good here and I decided to stay you know I was in London at the time and I decided to come on holidays to Jersey four of us uh, four Irish boys one worked we both two of us worked in Salvages one was an accountant in the Savoy Hotel and the other uh, was a builder while he was working as a labourer. So we decided to come to Jersey on holidays. And we never went back because when we came over here, we fell in love with the island. And it was something like home that time. And the hospitality was great. The people were marvellous. And uh, it reminded us of home. So we said, well, you stay on the island. And we went picking strawberries the first season we were here in Petit Alba place in St. Peter's. We were both in love with it, you know, from the first moment you see it from the air, and it looks so beautiful, we decided we'd have to live here. We did have rather a difficult time trying to find somewhere to live, but uh, once we'd mastered that, and then we managed to get uh, work, we never looked back. <laughs> it seems all the Irishmen go on a holiday never get back to their wives or to their divorced wives <laughs> or to their mothers. They just come on a holiday and that's... Uh, it's a part of, I suppose, uh, years of immigration. Uh, I came from London, and I thoroughly enjoyed the island. I decided to stay. It was full stop for me, actually. And in fact, for thousands of Irish people, it was full stop when they reached the sunny shores of this warm, friendly, and relaxing island. Jersey is that kind of place, a place where many just come on holiday and decide to make it their home. It's only nine miles wide and five miles from north to south. It's the biggest of the Channel Islands, and its nearest point is only 14 miles from France. In 1205, with the separation of continental Normandy from England, the Channel Islands remained loyal to the English crown. It's got its own government, with 53 democratically elected members who, incidentally, are not paid for their service. And although it's not part of the United Kingdom... The Queen is represented by a Lieutenant Governor, a job that Sir Walter Raleigh once held. There are about 74,000 people living here in Jersey, and roughly 10,000 of them are Irish or of Irish descent. And according to Michael Rumford, the editor of the island's newspaper, and author Raul Lamprier, Irish people have been coming here from a way back. Well, as far as I know, they first came about the 1840s in connection with the building of St. Catherine's Breakwater, 
which was built by the British government, really as a white elephant, as it proved, uh, as part of a scheme to defend the islands against possible French attack. The breakwater was built between 1847 and 1852 and required a great deal of labour, and this coincided with the Irish potato famine, and therefore a lot of Irish workers came over and helped in the construction of this huge enterprise. It, it may in fact interest your, your listeners to know that uh, the Roman Catholicism in the island probably doesn't only stem from the, the French connection but also from the, the Irish connection. Uh, at the time of the famine a number of Irish families did come to the island uh, to work here in one sphere or another and it was as a result of their influx into the island that the first um, English-speaking Roman Catholic church was, uh, was built in St. Helier, in fact, in the whole island. Before that, the only Roman Catholic churches were, in fact, French, French churches. And here in St. Helier, the island's capital, you still find Irish people engaged in building construction of all kinds. People like Pat Hickey from Cork, who has built up a substantial business through hard work and initiative. The reason I do like Jersey, first of all, is the climate's good. We don't have as much rain as we get in Ireland. And uh, I like the social system here, because the social system we've got is the reason, really, that the island has got something else above the rest. But if you come to Jersey, you don't hop in the the labour exchange and sit in your ass. You work, and if you can't work, you're deported. Now, if a person is in extreme difficulty, he's got a degrading position to go to his parish hall and ask for help from the parish hall. Now, he may get money from the parish hall if his case is good enough, but then he's obliged to pay the money back. So this way, a lot of guys um, who think they can come to Jersey, have it easy and get a big shock. Because as soon as they go to the um, social security, they find out really what happens in Jersey. And I think this is one of the reasons why I like it. A man has got to push himself along. No, we don't have any dole system, and in fact we believe this is one of our saving graces. Uh, and it's for that reason that when people arrive and can't find work that, in fact, sooner or later they leave um, and don't then become a charge on the state, so to speak. Jersey has about 50 miles of coastline. And if you don't want to go on a guided tour around the magnificent bays and secluded coves, then you can hire a car for three pounds a day. But whether you travel by coach or car you'll surely call to some of the island's fine hotels, many of which may well be run by Irish people. Maybe someone like Pam Grennan from Athlone, who feels justifiably proud of the island's high standards on offer to tourists. Yes, certainly the standard of hoteliers in Jersey is very, very high indeed, and certainly they give value for money. Also, we have a tremendous tourist board here and a tremendous tourist organisation. And the standards that they set, the hotels in Jersey, are high and they are maintained. A lot of uh, 
countries, and there have been a few in actual fact who have come here to look at the setup of tourism and to examine it. And a couple of our own uh, tourism people have been to other countries to advise them on their tourist committee and uh, in their administration. And I think a lot of people could come here, and particularly hoteliers, well, right across the board and take a leaf out of the book, that, uh, of, of the book that Jersey produces, certainly, on hotels, their standards and, uh, and the value that they give. Sur mon lit à bouffer salant en buvant Prends mon whisky quant à moi Peu dormi, vie débris Mais j'ai dû dormir dans la gouttière Où j'ai eu un flash En quatre couleurs Allez hop, un matin Une louloute est venue chez moi Poupée de cellophane, cheveux chinois Un sparadrap, une gueule de bois A bu ma bière dans un grand and when the heat of the day has mellowed into the pleasant mildness of evening, St. Helier presents a new exciting prospect of banquets, balls, cabaret, discos. And it's here at one of those night spots that Huey Conway from Derry keeps an eye on merry tourists looking for a nightclub to me. Night manager, the security mostly security. We've got a banquet on at the moment. So when it finishes one o'clock, you'll get uh, the try, you know, to get into the tavern, which we only we keep for residents only, you see. So we're going to keep them out, you know. See, you know, check all the corridors and everything up there. You know, everything's all right. You know, no one breaks in. You know, if there's any trouble, to call the police, you know. But whatever about the late nights, the early morning always finds hundreds getting on the coaches for out-of-town trips. And all the couriers give their commentary in both English and French. Because Jersey still has strong French connections, and the older people speak a Norman French patois. The hardest part is speaking the two languages as you go around the island. It's not easy for any driver, especially with these little lanes we got. And one thing, you've got to keep your eyes open because you see other people coming around the, the corners pretty fast. <laughs> and the speed limit is, what, 40 miles an hour? Uh, speed limit for cars is 40 miles an hour. Coaches is 30 miles an hour. We've got certain restrictions on... Times are going through certain valleys that's uh, been fixed by coach operators. Like the one we're going through now, it's going to be the Muya Valley, which we've got to go through before half past three to allow the other coaches to come through after. Now, how many different... times a day, a day do you do the tour around the island? I do one tour around the island, one morning drive, and one evening drive. And what happens then? What do you do when the season is finished, say in September? There's no, sep there's no season finish. We work all the year round. You mean you're, you're still taking people on tours around the oh, island yes, in, in, at Christmas time? All the year round. We do tours at Christmas as well as in the summer. Not so many, but we get a good few. 
And where did the people come at that time of year? Where did they come from? Well, they come from England, America, some come from France, and some come from Australia. So, so in fact, then, your tourist season never really finished. We haven't got a tourist season now. Years ago, we used to start in May and finish in September. Now we start in January and finish in January. All year round. Uh, to, to the left there, you can, uh, to the right, I should say, you can see the Gondolabal Dam, which is the biggest reservoir in Europe. Because there are two, but not we were, a barrage, say, barrage to Gondolabal, the two grand reservoirs are all here. Coach tours in and around the island, trips by hydrophile to the sister islands of Guernsey, Sark and Alderney, or boat trips to France, are very much part of an island whose lifeblood is tourism. The small but busy airport, just outside St Helier, is always the scene of the many accents of pale-faced arrivals and brown-faced departures. And it's here we stop to chat to the reservations manager, Michael Kilroy from Ballinar County, Mayo. Michael knows a lot about the Irish in Jersey, and he remembers a time when they were not quite as welcome as they are now. In Jersey, years ago, an Irish community was an Irish community. It was Black Mariah, and in fact, uh, Pam will possibly bear me out with various hotels that wouldn't entertain an Irish function. It's nothing against the Irish, but you had one or two that worked hard, played hard, fought hard, jumped out of the chandeliers, or jumped off the chandeliers, and possibly the people didn't understand their uh, commitment to how they were enjoying themselves. <laughs> Michael Kilroy is the chief organiser of the Jersey Irish Society, and he helps to maintain many links with the homeland through sporting and cultural activities. Last year we brought over the Wexford hurling team. Uh, we had a fantastic game against the Jersey team. We mixed the teams. I approached local societies in Jersey and local government in Jersey and said, you're crazy, we can't give you a hurling pitch, we can't give you a pitch because um, there's a little minor team playing a senior team in the parish. And I said to them, I said, well, we'll forget about it. We went out found a Jersey farmer. We walked the pitch, Pat Hickey and a few others, John Meany. We marked the pitch, we mowed the pitch, we made our own goalposts and we had the biggest attendance at any... I should think, uh, athletic or hurling event or any kind of an event in Jersey for many, many years. Well, your society is not confined to Irish people only. Very much so not, actually. Um, I'm very proud to say we've got French people, uh, we've got Portuguese people, we've got German people, we've got Swiss people. And I think the greatest honour that this society could have is to have the Attorney General of Jersey, who is a Jersey man, being president of the society. To my mind, and I think to the committee's mind and to lots of people's mind that's involved with the Irish society, is that too many clubs go inward on their Irish thinking. Too many clubs go back to the fundamental. You've got to remember we're living in an age where we've got to expand, where we've got to expand our views and make people aware of what we've got to give and come and enjoy what we're giving. The visitor here cannot but be impressed by the absence of any kind of rowdyism or misbehaviour. Maybe it's because the birch can still be used. And if you're involved in a traffic accident, the chances are that you'll be approached and questioned by a man in plain clothes, who happens to be an honorary policeman. 
Yes, we believe Jersey is, is law-abiding. Um, the incidence of crime here is a lot lower than in a comparable community elsewhere, and very often um, it is a matter of, of fact that those responsible for any of that crime are in fact not local people, but uh, people who've come in from elsewhere. Whether or not this has got anything to do with the fact that capital punishment is still on the statute book, as is birching, uh, I don't know. But the fact of the matter is that uh, even though um, anyone sentenced for murder has to be sentenced to death, uh, such a sentence has to be ratified by the, by the Queen through the Home Office, and inevitably, since capital punishment was abolished in the United Kingdom, every such sentence has been commuted um, in Jersey. Quite recently, of course, um, birching has been a um, matter of much discussion um, as a result of uh, a complaint about the Isle of Man to the uh, European Commission. And that commission, in fact, recently ruled that birching was, uh, was barbarous. We still have birching on the statute book here in Jersey. It hasn't been used for about 12 or 15 years, although the island has long felt that it is right that it should have remained on the statute book so that it could be used if necessary. But we are now advised that um, since the island was a signatory to the, uh, the uh, European Commission, that we would and should abolish birching. Uh, whether or not that, is, that happens, of course, is a, a political decision. Well, in Jersey, we have two types of police. We have the official state's police, which would be the same as your Garda, and we have what we call the honorary police. And to a person who has just been involved in a motor accident and who is not familiar with the island, they will be quite amazed to see somebody walk up to them in ordinary clothes and start questioning uh, what happened. And such a person will usually prove to be what we call a centenaire. Now, the honorary police are not paid. There are a number to each parish. Um, the head one in each parish is called the constable, but he's not the same as a uh, guard would be in Ireland. Um, he's more like a mayor of a town who has police powers. Underneath him are a number of what we call centineers, and under them again are a number of people called vantineers, and still further down the scale are a number of people called constables' officers. In every case where someone is charged with a criminal offence, he is always charged by the centineer and not by the police constable of the state's police. And over the years, this has caused a certain amount of friction between the paid and the honorary body of police. How does one become a centineer? One becomes a centineer by election, unless, of course, one gets in unopposed, and it was always deemed to be, and still is, uh, considered an honour by people in their individual parish. Because once they become a centenaire, it's a step on the road to becoming a constable. And if eventually they do become a constable, they become like the mayor of their parish. And they are also a member of the state's assembly, which of course is our parliament. Well, if on an ordinary level there's no money in this, um, there, it must have some advantages. Uh, it has absolutely no advantages at all, except prestige-wise. 
As one could well imagine, there is an acute shortage of living accommodation in the island, and newcomers require the specific consent of the housing department before any property may be bought or rented. Consent is normally only granted if you can satisfy the department that you will be of economic or social benefit to the island. There is a big housing problem for people because now you have to wait 10 years before you can buy a house. I'm not quite certain under what figure. I think it may be 28,000 if you can afford to buy a house. Oh, no, probably much more now. If you can afford to buy a house for 50,000 or 100,000, yes, you can come directly to the island. Though I think they're now going to change the law to one year. But for ordinary people coming over, you have to qualify. When we came over, it was five years. You had to wait five years to qualify, and then you could get a house. So we were very fortunate. We met somebody who knew somebody, and we managed to get a, a rather lovely flat. And we stayed there for five years. And then they were building these houses, and we managed to get one. And uh, that's it. We've, we were here. But about three months after we moved into the house, uh, they changed the law and it became 10 years for anyone. And they moved up. It was then, I think, £28,000, under £28,000. And I think now it's moved up to about £50,000 and a 10-year wait, which makes it very difficult for the ordinary person coming over. However, you have to realise that this is to protect the locally born Jersey people who have no other means of getting a house uh, unless there is this question of waiting for people who just come over. The island is so small there aren't enough houses to go around. Well, uh, but the obvious answer is to build more. Well, they do, in fact, do quite a lot of building. But it is a tiny island and it is agricultural and they don't want to change the, the look of it. I mean, it's a very beautiful island. So if they build it up too much, they will ru ruin the amenities, you know. And as it is, I, I think that Jersey still looks beautiful, and they still manage to cope very well. But I, I think we're probably stretching it to the limit at the moment. So I don't know how many more people they can take in. I think they're cutting down on the number of people. You do have a shifting population, of course, in the summer. You get people who come over to work in the hotels, and you also get the French peasant workers coming over to work on the farms. But for Joan Kilroy, as for the thousands of Irish who live here, their dwelling problems were all sorted out eventually, and they now contribute their share to the island. You find them in all kinds of jobs, but particularly in the hotel and pub business. I came here uh, on a kind of a holiday with... Uh it was late in the year, August, and I thought I might uh, get a job. And a friend and I came together, and uh, the weather was lovely. I'm afraid we didn't bother very much about looking for work. We lay on the beach all day, and uh, we spent all our money, and <laughs> we had to go home. So I resolved that the following year I was coming back to Jersey because I loved it. I loved the, the my first impressions of Jersey were terrific. You know, people, uh, scene, everything. The weather was good, and, you know, everything seemed bright, yeah. How many years ago is that? Eighteen. Now, when you came first, what kind of job did you get? Uh, well, as, as, I say, as I say, on the first year, we went broke, we went, we went home, 
and then, and the next year I came back I I, I, I followed my uh, my calling in the in the license stage, you know, as a barman. I got a job and uh, I worked the season and uh, I went home again on holiday and uh, I should have come back but I didn't come back until the following year I stayed I stayed in London actually I went home to Ireland had a holiday stayed in London worked uh, the winter in London and then came back uh, you know threw in my lot with Jersey and took up the job full-time well at that time you were single I am single still. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how he escaped to Jersey, but I am anyway. <laughs> well, did you not, you're not coming across any Jersey maid now and all that time. Pardon? You're not coming across any Jersey maid oh, and all that time. one does meet people, you know, but... <laughs> but <laughs> I'm very much alone, and I think I, I, I didn't like the responsibility or the finality about marriage, so I went solo. Mm. And you never changed your mind? No. No, I didn't, no. You're still quite happy now as a single person. I'm quite contented with my lot, yes. Yes. I'm in the public house business and nobody's short of friends in the public house business, you know. Jack Gillick, who comes from Virginia in County Cavan. Jack is an exception since he remains single because very many of them have married Jersey or English girls. Our neighbours from back home, as happened in the case of Anne Ruxton and Jerry Mines. No matter in the pub of manage the stag's head, and she only come 35 miles from me, from Shercock and Kevin and Ruxton. Well, do you think if you hadn't come over here, would you ever have met her? No, I don't think so, no. I'd probably never get married either. <laughs> Jerry, what kind of life do you find over here? Is it a good life? Ah, it is a good life, you know. There's no, um, very quiet island. There's no, uh, no travelling during the work, go to work in the mornings. It's, it's very easy to get round the island. The sunshine's here, brilliant here in the summer. You know, and then... Um, Going the life's here very easy, very easy going life. People only work about four days a week. What do they do on the other three? Uh, <laughs> drinking my pub. And when did you come over to Jersey first? I came about uh, four years ago. And when did you come over? Just for the season. What uh, decided you to wait on there? <laughs> um, I don't really know. I went back after one season. I came the following season again. I don't know. It must have been the sunshine or something. <laughs> And then you met your husband over here. Yeah, I met him on the first season. Maybe that's what brought me back again. <laughs> well, you met him the very first season. Yeah. yeah. But I went home after the season, you know, and came back the following year again. Well, were you thinking about him all the time? You were back <laughs> Some of the time, yeah. <laughs> and how do you find life now? I love it here. Yeah. But what's particularly nice about it? It's just it's easy going. No, you know... You, don't have to get off going buses to work like I used to have to do in Dublin. <laughs> Rushing, getting buses and all that. You know, it's just easy going life. There may not be any Irish millionaires on the island, but they certainly enjoy a good standard of living with a beer at 24 pence a pint, income tax only 20 pence in the pound, no VAT, no capital gains tax, and no death duties. Jersey, in fact, didn't set out to become a tax haven because uh, our, the history of our, our, 
um, fiscal status goes way back to the 1920s uh, when income tax was first introduced. Uh, yes, it's true that uh, wealthy people do come to the island and to the other Channel Islands uh, as they go to uh, the Cayman Islands and elsewhere to, uh, to protect their capital. Um, that doesn't, it doesn't necessarily follow from that, though, that um, everybody in Jersey is wealthy. Yes, there are a number of exceedingly wealthy people, um, a few of whom are no doubt Jersey people, but the majority of whom must be those who are avoiding the payment uh, of tax in the UK. Uh, why is there a low tax rate here? We like to think it's, uh, it's because of good management uh, by our own government. Um, we have no party politics, we have no nationalization of any particular industry. Um, we depend uh, for the revenue of the island on uh, tourism and agriculture and now on uh, our finance status. All those things combined together have, uh, have conspired to make us a, a, a very well-run, well-economically-run island. Many of the Irish come here for holiday work, find the pleasant lifestyle to their satisfaction, and then, like Tom Peters from Leash and Mick Clinton from Rialto, they just remain. I'm a motor mechanic by trade, and I've never been idle, and I can always make a living out somewhere. So I found it fairly handy to get a job. But you don't work as a motor mechanic, no? No. I work as a publican now, uh, pulling pints. <laughs> um, I don't think I go back to the car trade now. Uh, it's, it's hard work, it's very hard work, but uh, I just don't think I go back to the car trade anymore. Well, what kind of customers do you have, Mick? Uh, very good customers, actually. Um, I had one pub in town in St. Helier for two years and now I've got a pub outside of town and it's a provincial type of customer I get. 
and they're very, very nice people. Really nice. Have you forgotten about Dublin? Are you really kind of an integrated member of the Jersey Society? Um, I haven't forgot about Dublin. I am an integrated member of the society, but I haven't forgot about Dublin. Uh, I would love to go back to Dublin someday. What is the most attractive thing that you find about Jersey? The money. <laughs> uh, I suppose it's the, really and truly, it's the easy-going way of life here. Um, you get some, some terrific friends. Like, you built up friends in Ireland because you were born there. Here, it has taken us ten years, and in that ten years we have, we have met some terrific friends, some really nice people. I was working up in London, and um, I decided to come over for a weekend. And uh, I did come over just for the weekend, and I enjoyed it very, very much, meeting the local people, and uh, I also met an awful lot of Irish people when I first arrived here. And I, <clears throat> I thought that the, the atmosphere the atmosphere was very like a home, back in my hometown where I was born. And um, I decided to stay just for, for a week and see what it was really going to be like. Then my money ran out and... I decided to look for a job. I, the first job I took was um, picking, uh, stacking potatoes in a store. <laughs> and from then on, I, I, um, I went to the motor trade. And um, I found it um, opportunities for starting up a business over here. I did. For the first couple of years, I went into partnership. And it was successful, but as partnership goes, it just went adrift. I went back into the trade again, picked up, and came back out and started up my business again in 1957. And I've done very, very well ever since. Um, the, it's the local people here, yeah, I married a, an Irish... Um, a local girl, her father was Irish from County Cork. A uh, matter of fact, there's um, generations, third, second and third generations in the family. And ever since then, I've just built up my family. I have a tree in the family. And my business has expanded.
The people here work hard and play hard. And if you want to see them enjoying themselves, there is no better place than Fort Regent in St. Helier, with what must be the most comprehensive sports and entertainment complex in Europe. Where else could you checkmate a three-foot-high king with an equally high queen? But with all the lavish entertainment and seemingly low prices, ordinary living isn't that cheap, according to Pat Kilroy, who manages a knitting industry. Luxuries are very cheap here. To live here in Jersey it costs as much as any place else, even more so than England or in Ireland, because you take uh, Dublin, for instance, that's one of the, in the common market, is the cheapest city in the common market to live in, which statistics came out last year. Uh, Jersey, we pay a little bit more for food. We pay for clothes, more for clothes. We pay for shoes and everything else here. Uh, for a pint of milk, say, for 18p we pay for a pint of milk. 27p for a loaf of bread. Now, these are the, bare, these are the essentials that you need every week for any family to live here. I think you can have a really nice lifestyle here for far less money than you can in either Ireland or England. Um, a house, a boat, cars are cheaper. You, can, you have the beach for children all the time in the summer. I mean, you really have a nice climate here. Um, various things like that. You can have a lovely social life. But, of course, we're very lucky. Because my husband works with the airlines, we have our 10% fares. <laughs> so we can, you see, fly out and about and see the world as well. We've managed to get to all over the continent and to America on these 10% fares. And, of course, we can get back to Ireland. Jersey does big business in potatoes and tomatoes, and they use seaweed and compost to keep the soil in order. A great many of the holdings are only around 10 acres, but every inch is put into production. Farming is now no longer one of the main occupations. It certainly was up until perhaps the, the late 1940s. Uh, but since then, uh, more and more competition from the Mediterranean and from even further abroad has meant that our early potatoes, our early tomatoes and such like uh, don't get the sort of prices that they used to command on the on the UK markets. Well, then what is the main occupation of the people now? <clears throat> uh, that's a difficult one because I don't think there is necessarily a main occupation. I think you will find the vari variety of occupations equal to any other uh, community of 74,000 people. Um, although if... Uh, if you were to press me for an answer, I suppose the majority of people would be involved in tourism, certainly during the, uh, the tourist season. Galway, Cork, Kerry. Indeed, most counties in Ireland are represented here in Jersey. Many of the Irish are here for years, and some for just a short time. When you ask them if they'll come back to settle in Ireland, they don't give you a direct answer. Their loyalties are divided. Yet, someday, somehow, maybe. I have never torn myself away completely from Ireland. I love Ireland dearly. I go home a couple of times a year. Uh, it's always pleasant to go home. But I must say, it's always pleasant to come back to Jersey too. And Jersey is very near and dear to my heart. 
There's a little chink as we come down from the airport in the trees that overlooks... Uh, you come down Beaumont and you overlook St Albans Bay. There's a fort out there in the middle of it, and when I come back down the hill at St Albans, I look out there and I think, oh, it's nice to be home. You know, I would hate to pull up my roots here altogether, but I would still, you know, it's, it's very it's imperative that I go to Ireland at least twice a year. I go for the Mayfly fishing uh, first week in... Last week in May, first week in June every year, I fish Sheelan and Loch Ramor and Derivara and all these lakes, you know, and have a whale of a time, and I meet a lot of people from England who come over for the same thing, and we have a great... Uh, gathering every year. It's an annual event for me. I look forward to it very much. Yeah. And uh, but uh, uh, going back, uh, as I say, I, I can't. I haven't. I haven't finally decided about it. But I think definitely my my uh, inclinations are towards Ireland. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it was Goldsmith said it anyway. And as a hare whom hounds and horns pursue, pants to the place from whence at first he flew, I still had hopes, my long vexations past, here to return and die at home at last. <laughs>